0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. We keep going through Exodus here in this this back half of the book, where we're getting to learn about God's living room. It's where God shows up. It's that slice of heaven on earth. It's the tabernacle, and today we're looking at this bronze altar. And uh, yeah, this is interesting. You, the, I, I Notice that we didn't really have a chance in the last couple episodes to really talk about the metals involved, but you think of how big this altar is and it being overlaid with metal. Uh, Yeah, there's some heavy lifting going on here, and besides the altar itself, you've got the court and the oil for the lamp, so uh, a couple of these, these last items before we move on to the priestly garments. So... This is something where, you know, again, there's significance in all of these things, and it's not just, you know, okay, here's a bunch of, you know, blueprints here, and, you know, this is something for archaeology or history buffs. Uh, there's there's significance all over it. Joining us today to help us break that down and and see what that significance is for us, we've got returning, we've got one of our regular guests, Pastor John Lekumsky. Pastor in Southern Illinois, also one of the hosts of Wrestling with the Basics on KFUO, 9 a.m. Central Time on Saturdays. Good morning, brother. Always a joy to have you with us. And yeah, you're ready to lift some heavy metal here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so this is going to be our heavy metal episode. It's a heavy metal
0: episode, Wrestling with the Heavy Metal. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's a five by five cubit bronze overlaid altar. I mean, you and I have got to like be working on our squats or something
1: yeah well the one article I read said uh, 56 square foot of barbecue space <laughs> this <is one> big <laughs> this is one big Weber grill we got going on here <laughs> it's, that's
0: very that's very well said it's very that's very well said I think we're yeah. gonna um that that's helpful to be to be thinking about it in those terms um I mean I mean a little bit but <laughs> anyways but yeah I know I mean it's it, it's really interesting looking at this stuff I mean it is on the one hand so so deep Detailed and functional, but it's not as if this is just, you know, your Weber, Weber Grills, like, instruction yeah. manual. There, there's yeah. there's theology here, too.
1: Well, so, so if you don't mind, I'd like to start with a Bible passage from the New Testament. Would that be okay? That'd be Okay. Well, I I think as we're doing all of this, uh, all these directions that we have here and that you've been doing and you will be doing, uh, we need to remember that passage from Colossians 2 where, where Paul says, you know, these are the shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So as you already hinted at in your introduction, we're constantly looking in these things. So what's the relationship to these things as shadows? What do they point ahead? What do they indicate uh, that we know as a reality uh, in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? So, so that's I think that's how every Christian commentary deals with this. Again, we're looking for its relationship to Jesus, and and, and you're right. This altar in particular has a very, very clear and and important uh, uh, shadow of what Christ uh, will be and what he will do. The the other thing, though, that I want to add that I think sometimes we overlook... Um, You know, the Lutheran confessions actually take that passage from Colossians, and and they Mm. take these kind of things we have here, and and they point out that that these are are merely the the traditions of the Israelites. In fact, Mm. there's this beautiful quote, I think it's in the Apology, uh, I can look at my notes here, where it points out, if, if these traditions given by God... Uh, didn't bring forgiveness, then certainly no tradition that you and I have can bring forgiveness. Mm. So, so I think it's important for us to remember that as we look at these things, these were the things God gave them. This is how they worshipped, but but no true believing Israelite thought that this was going to gain them forgiveness or salvation. Uh, they all understood, this was the traditions the Lord had given them, and they all understood what the Bible had said clearly earlier in Genesis, that all people are saved by faith. That's how they're saved. Now, they, of course, believed in the Messiah to come. We believe in the Messiah that has come. But I, I think we need to remember that, too, that these are these are the traditions that, that God gave them, the divinely given traditions, but still as traditions, they, they have no spiritual benefit. Um, it says in the Confessions, Righteousness of the heart is a spiritual matter, a matter of enlivening hearts. Clearly, traditions do not enliven hearts and are not effects of the Holy Spirit. Um, they are not tools through which God moves hearts to believe, as are the divinely given word and sacraments. Uh, rather, traditions are customs that have no connection to the heart. They perish with the using, and we must not believe that they are necessary for righteousness before God. So, um... Hmm. And I share that with you because I have this. See, this is what happened in, in the Reformation. The, the, the yeah. church thought, oh, no, we have to have our traditions, too. And so they came up with their own wonderful structure of traditions. And it was interesting. The confession's response wasn't that just human traditions no good. No, the confession's response was that no tradition, even divinely given tradition, uh, brings forgiveness. Only, only Jesus. He's the substance, as Paul says. Um, so anyway, I just wanted well, to start with that yeah. that opening comment
0: yeah 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 thanks for that i mean it it's helpful um to to have that kind of overview big picture and uh i, I yeah it, it's it's nice to hear from the from the uh from the confessions and kind of make that connection as we're reading the scriptures um yeah, that, that's going to make for one quite of a ma- uh, one, one bit of a mashup episode today, wrestling with ice strong Concord Matters or something like that today. So uh, <laughs> hang right. on to your heads, everybody. Hang on to your heads. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A couple levels here. So good, good stuff. Thanks for that. Um, before we go ahead and read the text, would you, uh, and, and just having reflected on um, the things you just shared with us, would you open us up with a prayer?
1: So, O Lord, we know this is your holy word, and these were your holy commandments given to the Israelites. So help us to understand, first of all, they're not commandments given to us, so we don't need to be building altars and try to duplicate this in some new fashion. But what we do need to do is to see how all of this was pointed ahead to your son, Jesus Christ which is a task, of course, that is impossible for people who cannot believe by their own reason or strength. So, as always, we pray for your gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can see Jesus here, because we know this is really all about Jesus And this chapter about altars and, and uh, sanctuaries and, and candles and lights. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Uh, amen. Amen. All right. So, uh, I mean, I think the, the introduction that, that you helped lay for us here— uh, pretty good. Is there anything else, though, that you think that we should be keeping in mind before we go ahead and give this chapter a straight read through in terms of, I don't know, maybe some of the, the, the terms or um, units of measure or anything like that?
1: I, you know, I, I'm not I'm not a unit of measure guy. <laughs> I know we got a lot of cubits here, uh, uh, and I've got some notes. You know, when people converted them into to uh, uh, the figures we're used to, but no, I, I think let's just let's just read it and and uh, see what this all has to do about uh, Jesus Christ. So,
0: yeah, all right, all right, Amen. Let's let's go ahead and just get to reading then. So here's Exodus chapter 27 in the English Standard Version from the top. You shall make the altar of acacia wood, five cubits long and five cubits broad. The altar shall be square, and its height shall be three cubits. And you shall make horns for it on its four corners. Its horns shall be of one piece with it, and you shall overlay it with bronze. You shall make pots for it to receive its ashes and shovels and basins and forks and firepans. You shall make all its utensils of bronze. You shall also make for it a grating a network of bronze, and on the net you shall make four bronze rings at its corners, and you shall set it under the ledge of the altar, so that the net extends halfway down the altar. And you shall make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with bronze. And the poles shall be put through the rings, so that the poles are on the two sides of the altar when it's carried. You shall make it hollow with boards, as it has been shown you on the mountain, so shall it be made." You shall make the court of the tabernacle on the south side. The court shall have hangings of fine twine linen, a hundred cubits long for one side. It's 20 pillars and their 20 bases shall be of bronze, but the hooks of the pillars and their fillets shall be of silver. And likewise, for its length on the north side, there shall be hangings a 100 cubits long, its pillars 20, and their bases 20 of bronze, but the hooks of the pillars and their fillets shall be of silver. And for the breadth of the court of the west side, there shall be hangings for 50 cubits, with 10 pillars and 10 bases. The breadth of the court on the front to the east shall be 50 cubits, the hangings for... The one side of the gate shall be fifteen cubits, with their three pillars and three bases. On the other side, the hanging shall be fifteen cubits, with their three pillars and three bases. For the gate of the court, there shall be a screen, twenty cubits long, of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, embroidered with needlework. It shall have four pillars, and with them four bases. All the pillars around the court shall be fill- filleted with silver. Their hooks shall be of silver, and their bases of bronze. The length of the court shall be a hundred cubits, the breadth fifty, and the height five cubits, with hangings of fine twined linen and bases of bronze. All the utensils of the tabernacle for every use, and all its pegs and all the pegs of the court shall be of bronze. You shall command the people of Israel that they bring to you pure beaten olive oil for the light, that a lamp may regularly be set up to burn. In the tent of meeting outside the veil thats before the testimony Aaron and his son shall tend it from evening to morning before the Lord it shall be a statute forever to be observed throughout their generations by the people of Israel a lot of interesting things here um, you know and, and I and I think that you know I I like the the units of measure because I, I like to sketch things out. Like, I just, I, as I read this, I'm just like, man, I really wish I had a pad of paper right now and a, and a pencil so I could just sketch this thing, you know, because I'm wanting to, like, visualize it. And I, and I think we, we're going to want to spend some time um, visualizing it. But I, I think what, what keeps, um, what, what what's striking me, I kind of mentioned at the beginning, is just that there there's this really particular arrangement of okay these things are going to be bronze these things are going to be silver these things are going to be gold these things are going to be blue purple and scarlet like there's this really particular arrangement and it feels like i mean i don't know maybe maybe some of it or a lot of it is for practical reasons but it seems like there's like some symbolic significance going on so that, that's the thing that's kind of got me Scratching my beard here, but but how, but how about you? What's jumping out at you looking at Exodus twenty-seven here?
1: Well, okay, uh, if, if if you want to start there with the uh, the the metals, I, I mean, it's obvious. Now, see, we we didn't we haven't done uh, you know I, we didn't do the the holy of holies or, or the the actual tabernacle part of uh, uh, this, this structure, but but you know, obviously, all that stuff was gilded. That was all with gold. Uh, mm-hmm. Now the outer stuff is bronze. As you move closer, you start getting some silver thrown in there. And of yep. course, when you look at the the weaving, uh, uh, the weaving for the Holy of Holies again is a lot more detailed, a lot more colorful. Uh, it, you know, in fact, when you get to the walls here of the sanctuary, all they are is just plain white linen, which in itself is kind of interesting. You know, purity. Uh, uh, my snow, my my sins will be as white as snow and white as linen. Uh, and yet, yeah, so I, I think there's definitely that. As you move closer to the place where God is, it gets more glorious, it gets more beautiful. Uh, the, the, the metals that are used get more precious. So I don't, I, I think you can see that uh, in, in the use of the metals. Uh, did you have some other thoughts of your own there, AJ?
0: Well, yeah, you know, I, I think I think I, I was basically on, on the same line that you're describing there, John, that that it seems like there is sort of this kind of um, inward to, to outward like gradient here, because when, when you do go back and like I said, we didn't really, we didn't really talk about it. So it, it's, it's good to go ahead and take a step back here. But when, when we're looking at the uh, previous chapter in 26 there, right, it was, where was it there? Um, you know, it was there in like verse say like 29, for example, right. We're talking about like the frames um, that's like, setting up the uh, tabernacle and, and and also that's going to be end up su- uh, supporting the holy of holies, right? You shall overlay the frames with gold and make their rings of gold for holders and for the bars, and you shall overlay the bars with gold, right? So I mean, like all this is, is gold stuff here, right? Um, yes, and, and yeah. there in, and in verse thirty-two, and a veil of sh-
1: blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine font- yes. twisted linen, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, so we get we get those same those same colors, and and there's probably. We, we might even want to talk about the colors more. But then then you get this bit about, um, it says here, this is veil. You shall hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold, with hooks of gold on four bases of silver. So, um, over here, this veil, which it says in, in verse 33, is the thing that separates the holy place from the most holy. There in that area, it's silver and gold, right? Yep. You got silver bases yep. Gold hooks and rings and the rest, right? But over here in this outer part, then we're dealing with silver and bronze, with silver hooks um, and in these silver. Is, is that my, am I saying this right? Fillets. Um, <laughs> like, is that, is, is that like a grommet? Um, I, I have to confess, I'm like, I, I'm like, oh, I should have looked that up more. Um, and, and, and the bases are bronze, right? Yeah. So I yeah. mean, there, there does seem to be. Um, this like, okay, this is the inside part where there's this, you know holier part and, and then the outside part where it's more common.
1: Uh, and yet at the same time, it it's still bronze. I was noticing that the pegs and again I'm like you I'm assuming the pegs we're talking about here are the pegs they used to to hammer everything down so the wind wouldn't blow it over. Right. Um and, and and so it's still you know bronze is still a good good metal. That's a good oh, yeah. material. Oh yeah. That's going to last, you know. But you're right, it's not gold, it's not silver. Uh, so you get this kind of sense of what we have here is 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 important. The whole of it is important. It's it's permanent too. Uh, it's not wood. It's not going to decay. We we don't want that to happen. The acacia wood I understand too is the kind of wood that that you should build your deck out of because it'll last a long time. But right. definitely, you're right. As you get closer to the the place where God actually dwells, you know it gets much much more glorious.
0: Well, and, and then so so what's what's interesting then is okay. So how is that picturing? what it means to be close to God, right? Because it's interesting that in the, so here, right, the bases, right? So the bases of the things, that So and, and also you mentioned like the pegs, right? So the yeah. things that are like on the earth or are going into the earth. That seems to be a way of describing something that's further away from God. I mean, in, instead of having this stuff that's silver um, out here in the, in the court of the tabernacle, if it's actually in the ground, that stuff's going to be made of bronze, right? Kind of similarly how in chapter 26 uh, we had these, you know, pillars that are overlaid with gold, with gold hooks, but their bases are silver, right? So that's, I think, kind of intuitive. There's this idea of uh, God you know, represented as as being in heaven. You know, we just had God descending from the heavens onto the summit of Mount Sinai, right? So, I, I think that that kind of like, you know, up is God, down is us is a kind of really kind of basic intuitive thing. Um, but what not it, I, I think it's kind of interesting, though, that the altar itself is just, I mean, there's it's just, there's so much bronze. Everything is bronze. And, and I think that Maybe that's actually for a practical reason. That uh, you you made your grill analogy at the beginning. Did you have any more insights on that?
1: Well, and, and yeah, see, so there's there's the problem. Uh, and, and again, so so my theory always has been: if if we find Jesus in here, well, that's going to be all right. But <laughs> but I'm not quite sure that we can argue that actually Jesus was there. <laughs> you know, Luther does this. Have you ever read Luther's commentaries on the Psalms? He, oh, yeah. He's constantly finding these references to Jesus in the Psalms. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. I don't know, Luther. <laughs> I'm not so sure that when David wrote that, he was thinking about the Messiah. But but okay, what you said is true. And, uh-huh. and, and so here's my point. You're asking about yeah. uh, other things. Don't you think that the, the basins and the forks and the fire pans and the utensils and the grating and all of that There's no great symbolism in any of that. No, it's just what you need to do if you're going to have one really big barbecue grill. And let's face it, you're going to be cooking a lot of meat, a lot of sacrifices on that grill. So you want a grill that's going to hold up and it's going to last. I don't know that there's any, like you said, I think some of it is just practicality of trying to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. But then again... No, I, I think also there's the shadow. You're, you keep seeing these little reflections of a greater reality. Uh yeah. and so I, I and I, I like your thought. I really like your thought, AJ. That yeah, when you get to the earthly stuff, it, it's yeah. still good stuff. It's bronze. Oh yeah. yeah. But no, as you get away from the earth, that's when you begin to see the silver mm-hmm. and the gold yeah. and, and the finery of the the uh uh the, the linen work and all that stuff. Um so, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but but so to to your point though about this big grill, right? I mean, so yeah. we we before when we are looking at chapter twenty six, we saw uh, this number fifty that kept showing up, which you know is a number that we associate seven by seven. It's like a se- well, rounding up, right? It's a Sabbath of yeah. Sabbaths, so a symbolic significance of rest. So okay, yeah, that's really symbolic. And so you're you're moving on here, and you're like, okay, five cubits long and five cubits broad. Okay, what does five represent, right? Yeah. Well, and it's like I don't know if it's really supposed to represent anything except for you know again <laughs> think about think about your units of measure here. So a cubit is is a forearm, so it's like one and a half feet. So that's that's seven and a, seven and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide. Why why do you want it to be that big? Well. Uh, Because there's some rather large animals that are going to have to get sacrificed on this thing. Um, You don't want it to be too high. It's three cubits high, so four and a half feet high. Um, Thank God it wasn't seven and a half feet high, because I can't imagine hoisting up an ox seven and a half feet off the ground.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, And and, and that's you know that's the thing though. Is there some symbolism in the five by five? Yeah, maybe, but I'm kind of with you. I'm thinking, no, it's just because we're going to have a large animal. We're going to be doing lots of sacrifices. Uh, we we need a lot of space. I, I always enjoy the story, jumping to the New Testament, about Peter. Remember in that miraculous catch of fish where we are told it's 153 catch of fish. And I always yeah. like to ask people, so what's what do you think is the symbolism of 153? And then I say, the answer <laughs> yeah, yeah. is, it's a lot of fish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well... Yeah. So, yes. Well. well yeah. I I, I I feel like that they're on the 153. Okay. I'm not. I'm not falling into that. Oh, okay. okay. We're, we're, not, we're talking about exit, we're about exit 27 today. Uh, but 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 so yeah. Stay, staying on task here. Um, yeah. John, you got you got you gotta help me. Okay. We got to, We gotta stay okay. focused. We got to through the whole chapter. Uh, but but so you, you think about. Okay. So this is gonna be this really big hot grill, right? Yeah. And so let's see what what are we gonna make this thing out of? Gold silver or bronze and and i and and i have to say i don't think i don't think i've ever heard of gold or silver cookware like i feel like bronze is something i can imagine but not so much like let's just heat up like this big silver or gold (laughs) pot That, that doesn't seem like something that you'd want to do
1: no, no. So there you go. Maybe bronze is just a really good material if you're going to be doing a lot of cooking. <laughs> I know yeah. copper is. I don't know about bronze, but but, that, that's, that's, yeah. but let's 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 let, let's take, take this head on though because here here here's the thing. So you're coming in to the 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 outer courtyard now, the sanctuary, yeah. and the and the very First thing you're going to see is this big, gigantic sacrifice altar. And by the way, that's what we have to remember. There's a couple of altars going on here. But the one you and I are talking about is the altar where all the sacrifices are going to be made. Um, and, and I've got a Jewish commentary that I read when I do these Old Testament things. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and it tickles me that even the rabbis recognize this was the predominant thing. Of course, the really predominant thing was the sanctuary itself. But before you could get to the sanctuary, when you enter the courtyard, the first thing you were going to encounter was this giant altar. And of course, they understand that sacrifice is important. That you're not going to get any closer to God until there's been sacrifice made. It's the very first thing you encounter as you begin to come into the presence of the Lord. Now, of course, for us as Christians, right away, the light bulb goes on and we say, well, of course, no one comes to God except by Christ, right? No one comes to the Father but by me. And why is that? Because Jesus is the one who lays down his life for his his uh, disciples, for the ones he loves. He's the one that makes the uh, final and ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah,
0: I do think in that in that way you can see some theological significance in the in the bronze that you know if this bronze silver gold is supposed to be kind of symbolically representing for us a progression of getting closer to god right so that gold is like you're in god's presence silver is you're getting warm and bronze yeah. is like you're 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 entering and you're you know making your first steps right it's just like you were saying this bronze altar is showing us well if we're going to approach god where do we have to start sacrifice it, it can't yeah. even happen we can't even approach god Unless sacrifice happens first. This is, this is square one on the ground uh, before we can even get closer. I want to develop that just a little bit more, but it's time for our break. Everybody hang okay. on. We're looking at Exodus 27 here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. <laughs> This Tuesday, July 14th, 2020, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors,
1: John and Janet Rao of St. Charles, Missouri. John and Janet made a gift to KFUO Radio in celebration of their granddaughter, Adelaide Rose, on her 10th birthday, as well as in celebration of her mother, Diana Helen, her grandmother, Janet, her cousin, Amelia Rose, and in loving memory of her great-grandmother, Helen Rose, all of whom have birthdays in July. Thank you, John and Janet Rao, for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. How do we love our neighbor on the internet? Why are the creeds so important? What does it mean to practice Christian hospitality? Questions like these are answered in every edition of the Lutheran Witness, the monthly magazine of the LCMS. The Lutheran Witness can help you interpret the world from a Lutheran Christian perspective by providing reliable, biblical reflections on the issues that you care about the most. Get your free issue at cph.org witness. That's cph.org witness.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We're looking at Exodus chapter 27 today, talking about this big bronze griddle uh, that we got going on here for cooking up some serious oxen. Uh, If you've got any questions about grilling tips, especially for oxen, which is notorious difficult meat to work with, we've got our expert, Pastor John Lukomsky, pastor from uh, Uh, Southern Illinois and also host of Wrestling with the Basics, where they discuss regularly things like how to prepare oxen, uh, KFUO, Saturdays, 9 a.m am if you've got a question then this is your chance give us a call 1-800-730-2727 or if you're in st louis 314-821-0850 also an email is good kfuo at kfuo.org or uh, social media facebook.com slash aj espinosa so uh yeah so you're, you're on us how to season the oxen right
1: Well, so, A.J., I actually had a thought as we took the break, because we've been discussing all this business about we got all this symbolism, and yet at the same time, we got all this practicality, too. Uh, In fact, we're kind of wrestling. Well, is it practical or is it for some kind of uh, uh, theological significance? And and, and it just occurred to me, ain't that just like God? (laughs) Everything yeah. he does, even the theological stuff, always has practicality to it. And, and the example came to me. So God said, I, 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 wanna, I want something now that is more than just a tradition, something that will actually bestow upon people forgiveness and salvation. And so he says, well, let's do baptism. Uh, so mm-hmm. we'll pour water on people. And yet I'm thinking... What a practical way to do it, right? Because everywhere you go that you find people, you're going to find water. So maybe that's just the way God does things. Even when he's doing the great, uh, tremendous spiritual theological things, it always has an element of practicality to it because he's the practical God. He's the one that made this creation, right? So if anybody knows about what works what 's practical, how to cook an oxen, he probably does
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no that that 's well said, you know' because, and that actually does seriously uh take us to an important distinction between uh, the worship of God and monotheism and the polytheism that was all around them that you know in polytheism you've got these gods that are connected to these different elements and they're each to a certain extent controlled by those elements and so hmm. if you've got some kind of like water god if you like do stuff to water like that's going to affect him or move him or get him to do something right um and same with like all the rest and and blood's a common one that like you know if you manipulate stuff with blood that'll uh, do these sorts of things but when it comes to god i mean it's just like you were saying he's a god of heaven and earth who created all things and so there's no real particular element that like you you like have to use to like get Yahweh to do something that's that's not what's going on here, so um if there is any instruction that he gives um of course there's gonna be significance, but yeah, it's sort of like he's kind of the only God whose worship is free in a certain level to be practical. It kind of complements a question we had uh that came in over the break here uh Raj sent in a question you think that maybe like this, all this, you know, bronze was just practical, you know, it's cheaper than gold and silver, you know, maybe that shows God's economy, uh, you know, on a certain level, I think it does that, Hey, if we're going to have this big, gigantic, you know, cooking surface, right? Well, it's not going blow all of our gold on that, right? Yeah. Like we want to save the gold for the Holy of Holies. And, and so for something like that, just this big, massive thing, Um, But I think the thing we need to talk about uh, the thing that's going to get covered in blood that we should just use the bronze on. And and, and I think that there is this connection between uh, the bronze and the death and the blood, like, you know, the bronze serpent I'm thinking of, too. Right. I mean, I I think there's a connection between bronze and this stuff. What, What do you think?
1: I, I think that's a really good. See, I never even thought about the bronze serpent. It would be interesting to do a study of the word bronze and just see how it shows up. Um, and certainly, when you do the gold and silver, you, you know you've got the whole business of revelation about the the roads being paved with gold and all of that stuff. Um, so you certainly got that association with with the the glory to come. So I, I don't know, but but it's it's cool. I I think it's just that there is if you want theology, there's the theology. You're not going to get to God without first going through the altar of sacrifice. There's got to be a sacrifice, and that is like you say, that's a thing of blood, that's a thing of practicality, that's a thing of earthliness. But we're moving on to something that is higher and greater, and that is to be in the presence of the Lord. Although you know, before we leave the altar, and I know we got. Through this whole chapter, we have to make a quick comment about the horns the horns on the altar, because again, again, you've got that same kind of mixture of practicality and yet theology, because the horn is always the symbol of God's power. Uh, It's the symbol of God's salvation, right? Psalm 18, he's the horn of my salvation. It's where you would flee if you were found guilty of murder. You could go and hold on to the the horns of the altar and ask for sanctuary. Uh, And yet, on the other hand, we know for a fact that they were actually very Helpful. They were the things you used to tie the offering down. Psalm 118, bind the festival offerings to the horns of the altar with cords. So, yeah, you kind of got that. It's it's practical, and yet it's also symbolic, too.
0: Yeah, that's actually really helpful, and it kind of addresses another question that came in over Facebook. So um, you mentioned that an Israelite could go and grab one of the horns of the altar to claim sanctuary, right? So hang on a second. Does that mean that ordinary Israelites could be in here? How far could an ordinary Israelite go? That's kind of the question here. Uh, like, like where can people be? Where can they not be? These sorts of things.
1: Right, so let, let's 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 acknowledge first of all. That a lot of this we're not sure about. Okay, when we get to the whole <laughs> light thing at the end, I, I it was interesting reading yeah. commentaries and seeing two total different opinions about whether that <laughs> light was all all day long or whether it was just at night. But but the, the things I read suggested that at this at this point you could come in to this this court because you were bringing in your things for sacrifice. But right. I was definitely under the impression that the the temple that was set up. Uh, in, in Jerusalem, that no, this was only for the priests to come in. Now, maybe I'm confused on that, uh, but hmm. anyway, that that's that's what I read in terms of this particular structure. You couldn't go into the the sanctuary. No, 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 no. That was you. You were off limits there. But this outer courtyard, yeah, you could come in because you were you were you were bringing in your your goat, your oxen, whatever it was, uh, in order right. to have it sacrificed.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think that that basic idea that, like, the people could be in the court, right? Like, that's, yeah. that, that's I think, the, the, something that we do understand really well, um, and, and that carries on into New Testament times with the temple because there's a court in the temple area where the people are allowed to be, um, and, and in fact, there's the the court of the Gentiles, right, where... Well, yeah. okay. You guys can kind of be in the court, but kind of in this separate but equal court over here, right? So, I mean, like, you know, so there's a little bit of that going on with this. There's this outer courtyard where, yeah, well, you have to be able to go there because, like you were saying, it's, you've got to present sacrifices, right? Yeah. Uh, but but certainly you wouldn't be going into the holy place um, unless no, you were no, one no, of the priests. No, no, no. And, and no one gets to go into the holy of holies unless you're the priest of priests, you're the high priest, right? So yeah, and
1: only um, only once a year do you, does even he get to do that. Yeah, that's
0: right, that's right, that's right. So um, we definitely have that kind of like th- th- these uh these degrees of exclusivity, I guess. Um, but but I think that like tied to that, um, speaking of like tying this thing down, like what what, what do you make of th- this thing is going to be bronze, but. It's going to be a different color a lot of times. It's going to have blood all over it. I mean, like, what, yeah. what do you what do you make of you know, the significance of there being blood all over this altar? And um, well, I mean, and, and do you do you have any insight too about like what they what they did with the blood or how they cleaned the thing up or I mean any any of that stuff dealing with the blood particularly?
1: Um, honestly, AJ, no, I I don't I don't. Uh, I, I do remember reading somewhere that, that the way this thing was structured uh, that, that there would probably be places for the blood to drain off into, um, yeah. you know, there, there's sand, there's everything that can kind of absorb the blood, it makes you wonder, you know, they, they say you're supposed to keep your grill clean so you yeah. don't get cancer <laughs> <laughs> from, <Right. laughs> from the carbon that's left there. So I were they cleaning this you think every time but but you know there's lots of sacrifices being made i don't know those are those are interesting questions but i don't see that there's any really clear answer given here in the text
0: yeah yeah no it's interesting that uh, i i think i think you're right that you know there there is some stuff that we see elsewhere these kinds of other things that testify to there being like mechanisms for draining the blood or keeping things clean and all the rest right cuz you know Especially, you think about this. Like, if if it's a busy sacrifice day, right? You got to be able yeah. to kind of quickly process these things. But but yeah, that the significance here, right, is really focused here on the on the structure of it. And and I, I think in that way, really highlighting what we we're talking about earlier that this this altar is this place of uh, entry. That th- this is this is your way of um, getting in. To the presence of God and if there is a connection to the bronze serpent maybe it's that that you know Israel that had, was was abandoning God in that moment of faithlessness well here's this bronze serpent where they can start to approach um, and make their way back in which I think also is kind of um, inherent in the symbolism of them lying on the ground dying of, of poisonous yeah. uh, snake bites um, looking up right um, towards God right so I, I think the idea of this kind of bronze approach to God is really the, I, mean, I think, really the, the, the key significance when we're looking at this. But
1: Well, um, you know, and, and, and that just occurred to me, A.J., yeah. isn't bronze kind of the color of blood, right? That is kind of a reddish bronze. Uh, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, as you were talking about it, I, I'm wondering maybe they didn't clean the blood off. Maybe that was part of it when you walked in and there was this bloody altar sitting there and you were immediately reminded of, of the sacrifices that had been made and the sacrifice that would have to be made. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it, I do know one thing we should comment on before we leave the altar yeah, is yeah, the yeah. fact that, that it goes into great detail that it's movable. Yes. this isn't going to be because because that's what you got to remember the whole importance of this thing is that god said i'm going to dwell with my people wherever they yep. go that's where i'm going to go and so it's really important that as these things are structured they're structured in a way that we can pack them up and we can move them on because at least at this yep. point my people are going to moving on and, and the promise yeah. was my dwelling place shall be with them and i will be their god and they shall be my people uh, and my sanctuary will be in their midst forevermore, Ezekiel thirty-seven. So, um, yeah,
0: yeah, no, that, that that's good. I was actually thinking about um, just my people at at St. Paul's, where we like, you know, God bless them. They they with all, I mean, just diligence. They, they they pack up and then and then they you know they tear everything down. They pack it all up and then next week they they set it all up again. We, we worship in a gymnasium, you know, and so uh. it's like. It's just kind of like where we happen to be. So we have we actually have an altar that is like movable and you can like store things in the different things that we have. And so similarly here, um, it's actually described as uh, I mean, what's it say here? Um, You know, the pole shall be put through the rings. Um, so it can be uh, the poles are on the two sides of the altar when it's carried, right. So like the idea of packing this thing up <laughs> and, and carrying it, right? Um, you should make it hollow with boards, right. I mean, you you can see it's like, oh uh, okay, yeah, and, and then back in um where where was it here? I mean, it doesn't it. Where, where does it say? I feel like it actually says somewhere like there's like a spot to kind of store the different stuff in there. Um, oh yeah, you should make pots for it to receive its ashes. Um, and shovels and basins and forks and fire pans. So it's like there's like stuff. There's like spots to like store oh, yeah. all of yeah. these things, right? Because because you got to pack it up and move it uh, as soon as the the cloud uh, starts to set out, right? So on um, um, that idea of, of God being present wherever His people go, uh, really big idea. Of course, that gets picked up also in the New Testament, particularly wherever two or three are gathered, as the Lord says. But uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. We got to uh, take a look at the description of the court itself here. So what 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 was jumping out at you in the description of the court that we have? And that's really the, mo- the bulk of the chapter here, right? And here in the middle, verses 9 through 19.
1: Well, I, I think what's neat, because you were talking about the cubits again. Yeah. And, and it's kind of interesting because this courtyard, of course, forms a fence uh, yeah. around. Uh, but but I, I thought it was interesting that the height of the fence is is so high that you can't see into it. Mm-hmm. And yet the tabernacle is built so tall that you can see the presence of the tabernacle and the altar of sacrifice is built so tall that while you can't see the altar itself, you certainly would see the smoke coming up mm-hmm. from the sacrifices. So I thought well, that that's kind of interesting. And and that kind of fits us. We, we don't see God. We can't see him in, in his glory. Uh, uh, but we do know he's there. He's always given us the signs that He is present with us. And so even if you weren't inside this courtyard, this this outer court, even if you were just kind of doing whatever your business was day to day, you could look over towards this compound and you could say, oh yeah, there's the Holy of Holies. I mean, I can't see it, but I know it's there because I can see the roof of the tabernacle. And oh yeah, there's the smoke. So people are making their sacrifices as God has commanded. So that was the one thing that struck me. That The the whole line of sight thing here is... is, And the same thing on the front. There's a screen, so -hmm. you can't just look right into it. But the screen, you can go around, and you can get into it. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's just this kind of tension between the fact, no, you you, you can't come in on your own, uh, and yet he's there, and he's given you plenty of evidence of his presence. Uh, And that fits in so well with our Lutheran theology that says, no, we're not looking for glory. We're not looking for miracles and signs; those are here and there and so unreliable. But we are looking for the Word and the sacrament that assures us, no, He's present, and He's present with us in His His uh, said in His, uh, uh, you know, uh, His love, Uh, steadfast love. That's the word I was looking for. You know, right,
0: right, right. Yeah, no, that that that's well said. That like. The, the dimensions they, they they make sense but they they kind of they make sense in this if you were there it, it makes sense in your experience of, of seeing how God works too that yeah. on, on the one hand it, it is just you know practical you know it's it's, it's what, I mean so it says how, how many cubits tall here it's like um, the the court it's like uh, was it was it five so yeah, I think
1: it's five cubits yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah. so that that, you know it's seven and a half feet tall so unless you're goliath you're not you know peeking over right (laughs) um it's it's 100 cubits long 50 cubits wide that's basically like a standard you know israelite football field you know it's just kind of like a a, a, (laughs) it makes sense as a large (laughs) you know 100 (laughs) 100 yards 100 cubits you know same deal right so it's just kind of like a large space right where we we're going to have enough room to do all this stuff um, you know, like the pillars, there's 20 pillars, you know, because like, you know, each of those are like the five cubit lines, you know, you got to go at least five cubits to get a first down. I mean, it's just practical. Everyone knows <laughs> yeah, this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and
1: and, and uh, it is interesting as you were, the whole cubit thing. So the walls are five, but I just see that the tabernacle is 10. So the tabernacle is actually twice the height.
0: Yes. What, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, no. The walls are. True. Then. So you'd clearly be able, to your point, you'd actually very clearly be able to see not only like the smoke that's coming up from the sacrifices. Yeah. And, and I wonder, even the fire, maybe. I mean, if, you're, if you got a fire really I going, would, I, I don't know think, about that sure. or not. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you definitely are going to be able to see the tabernacle, even even behind these big courtyard walls. You're, you're going to yeah. see the tent there, which is important that the whole, because like we're going to get in numbers, the whole people of Israel is camped around this thing. And they got to know where, you know, their, their north is, basically, you know, the, the center, their their point of navigation, which is this big thing that's the presence of God. And, and I think that big presence of God idea is why we get these uh, these three colors that show up again. Um, where do we go? is in verse 16, for the gate of the court, there shall be a screen at 20 cubits long of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen so that's really interesting that that set of colors that is uh something that you have on the inside like it's on the veil right yes Um, yes the veil of the holy of holies yet that is also the thing that's on the screen on the outside so any any i don't know thoughts there
1: Well, no, I just think that's that's really a neat picture, isn't it? So, so you you can't see it, and yet you can see it. You know, it's it's it. it, 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 Well, which again, see, that's that's what I love so much about our Lutheran uh, uh, focus because our focus is all on faith, and there's so many other. In fact, I would say every other religion is focused on the things you can see. Um, so, like you said, all these other religions, we're, we're looking at earthly elements because that's how we're going to control our God and get him to do right. what we want. And and, and our kind of look at, no, our God's invisible. <laughs> you know, you, you can't yeah. really see him, but but he's given us all these things so we know his presence. And I think that's a that's a really cool insight that even on the outside, he's got this beautiful woven screen for us that that reminds us. Oh yeah, if we could only be in the holy of holies, we we'd see that there as well um and and, you know if you think about it he comes to us in the lord's supper and says here's my body and blood well all i see is bread and wine but oh my god this is the body given this is the blood shed. this is my very salvation given to me to eat and drink for me you know so you got that same kind of, of beautiful uh imagery going on i think in the sacraments that the lord has given us in the new testament
0: Okay, so I'm really glad that you mentioned the Lord's Supper and the sacraments here. Um, and it was interesting in, in the quote that you read, too, in the Confessions, that they seem to be kind of be contrasting all of this yes. with the sacraments, which was interesting. If I If I got the gist of the quote, I feel like it was trying to say that, like, the difference between, like, the sacraments and this is that, like, this is something that was to be going on for a time, um, certainly no later than A.D. 70, right? So this was like yes. God providing like a temporary sort of thing for these particular people. Um, but in, in contrast, the, the sacraments instituted by Lord Jesus, those are time, I mean, time, not time less, um, because there will come a time when they're no longer necessary, I guess you could say, when he comes again. Yeah. Um, well, but like but they're universal.
1: We, like the supper, we'll, we'll still be doing that in heaven only it it will be will actually be there with the lord jesus christ dining you know but but i, I yeah your point is still well taken as it is now it, it right. probably won't go on eternally
0: that's uh, right well it won't it won't be a, a foretaste of the of the feast to come it won't be um, it will be you know, the feast a, a, a,
1: yes it just will yeah. be the
0: feast right yeah, exa- yeah exactly so so there is that that sense but but there is a sacramental connection because there is a sacramental dimension here in the text and we and we talked about these colors like a little bit um you know the the esv follows the king james version and using the word scarlet here Mm. which um (laughs) i was i was was having a little bit of a conversation with uh, a a listener afterwards and and they were saying how you know i was disappointed to learn uh when, when i was doing ultra guild stuff that scarlet is this uh you know, orangish red color. And I was like, ah, oh, darn, you know, I, I liked, a, you know, <laughs> like a purplish red, you know, orangish reds, like, eh, yes, you know, yeah. like, I, that's like, that's like, you know, Thanksgiving or something. Uh, but what's interesting, though, is like in in the in the KJV, right, in the older sense, they didn't really sh- sharply distinguish scarlet from crimson. And I, I, I think, especially when you have this list here of three things, um, if you like look it up in the dictionary, Hebrew dictionary, right, like, it's not really blue, purple and scarlet it's like blue purple, purple purple and red purple. <laughs> it's like Yeah, there you um, go. They're, sure. they're, they're all they're all this like really reddish purplish looking color which i think there is there there's like two things going on. Like one, it's supposed to be this royal color. I, they're all insanely expensive. You got to derive them from like insects and snails and like this it, it is so hard to get these dyes in the ancient world. So that's why you know even you know in the New Testament you can talk about like the Emperor wearing the royal purple. I mean it, it's it's a it's a royal symbol. So I, th- I think on the screen and on the Holy of Holies veil, it's like, hey guys, there's this veil, there's this screen, symbols of separation because on the other side of this, there is the presence of the king. right. So I think that that's like one really big thing, this idea of God's royalty um, coming on here. and then and then the other side of it too, I don't know. I mean, like, don't don't you don't you think when you think of crimson, like, don't you think of blood?
1: Yes, yes, that's what I was thinking too. That that you've got and 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 you've got all of these blood tones going on yeah. here. Um, yeah, 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 and 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 I think that's really important because that's that's how you can get to the, there's got to be the blood and in fact that's yeah. that's isn't that in the bible somewhere too there there is no forgiveness without blood <laughs> that's in right. there somewhere i can't remember the exact passage but so well uh,
0: it pro- probably could it's kind of like all over the bible but yeah, yeah you know <laughs> yeah, it's just me. it's just like everywhere there's
1: a bunch but, of them <laughs>
0: but but i mean isn't that just interesting though too that there is this like connection already between like this symbol of god's royalty and also this symbol of, of blood on the one hand, yeah. God's in the Holy of Holies where like no one's allowed to enter except for like once a year that just the high priest. On the other hand, there's a symbol of God's presence that's right there in the bloody courtyard. You know, I mean, yeah. and I mean, I mean, the thing is, so it's like it's already hinting at it, as you said, as a shadow. Right. Because no one thought, well, the blood of our king is going to be the yeah. thing that really is necessary oh. here, right? But it kind of sets us up for that, and so when you go in the direction of uh, using um, crimson or, or, or scarlet, you know, for in, in connection to, like, Holy Week or the Supper, it's like, that. that's what it is. I mean, it's the blood of the king. That's that's the kind of Old Testament sacrifice that's a shadow of the thing to come.
1: Yeah, and that's 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 the beauty of it, and like you said, no one would have thought of that, because, again, for them, the concept of king is one who is separate and distant from the people. And, 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 of course, the New Testament concept of king is the one who serves his people, even to the point of giving up his own life. That's what well, Well, right. King in,
0: in the Old Testament, yes. your, your king, at least a good one, is shedding the blood of your enemies, right? Like, yes. he's he's protecting you from the bad guys. He's not... Uh, giving himself um up and, and dying himself that that's that's a symbol of failure so um you know in, in that way here you know there was a couple questions that got sent in and uh only got a couple minutes here but just maybe taking a look at one of these here from james um so so there's this, this idea here right um of, of the of the altar and, and what it's like pointing forward to right um I guess he's kind of asking about the prophetic dimension of this temple worship, you know, like, like what, what is this? What is the whole thing like saying about God, like on on a prophetic level to the people?
1: Well, well, I think it's what we we said before, that there is no approaching of God apart from some sacrifice being made. And and I think that people understood that. I think they understood, no lamb, no oxen, no goat is going to take care of my sins. Do you really think that on the Day of Atonement, one lamb was taking care of all the sins of all of Israel for the right. whole year? I think they all, no, no, obviously not. But this was pointed ahead to the fact that there would be a sacrifice. What it will be, we're not sure, uh, yeah. but no, God will make a sacrifice. Because obviously, yeah. these things aren't going to take care of our sin but but God, and will. it's so God it's will. so
0: good making the point to the day of atonement right because some of the blood yeah. right like goes on the mercy seat, the place where God's present yeah. like and it's in a sense like it's like no this this lamb isn't taking care of it, like some of this blood's going on God right, like God's having yeah. to like bear this on a certain level to make the forgiveness happen, so I mean it's yeah I, I think you're right it is it is it's not giving it away, but it was certainly pointing ahead to the Lord Jesus,
1: yeah well Well, brother do the oil of the lamp tomorrow yeah i want to (laughs) talk about the oil
0: next time but brother thank you so much uh uh, looking at both the practical and theological dimensions here uh take care good talking to you hope to talk to you soon again Everybody, that was Pastor John lukumski pastor in southern Illinois, and co host of Wrestling with Basics, KFUO, 9 a.m. Saturdays. Moving on to chapter 28, I'm Pastor A.G. Espinosa. Peace.
1: To Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting by Strong Word.